Yehuda under the name of a Mossad called Merkada Torah. He takes care of, you know, Chizuk, the people here in South Florida, and Kiruv to our brethren who are not uh, yet observant. And he's uh, behind uh, bringing Rabbi Mizrahi here. And of course, to thank Rabbi Mizrahi for the upcoming Derasha. We are two weeks before Purim, so we'll give a, a Rasha that is basically about the time that we are in. If today the king of Morocco will make a party in his palace, and he said to all the rabbis and to all the Jews of Morocco, all the Chachamim, I'll make a special department in my palace, and I'm gonna get your rabbis to do everything Gelat Kasher. You bring me the Shochatim, you bring your own wine. We'll make a big, you know, it's a big party for me. All my nation would come, but I'll make you for the Jews, I give you a lot of respect. You live in my country. I'll make a section for you. You know, all the, your religious people will be able to be there. Everything glad kasher. You come, you give respect to the king. No, nobody in the world would think that anything here is a problem. What's the problem? Glad kasher, mashgichim, everything. Ma, we don't go to hotels. Half of the hotel goim and the other section rabbanim and they make a seminar every week almost. I'm in a different place. Hotel, Japanese, Chinese, Arabs, Indian, kosher Jews. This was the beginning of Purim. That's how it all started. The King Ahasuerus, Hazaku Baruch. King Ahasuerus is not the king of Morocco. The king of Morocco couldn't make him even tea. If they put them together, he can't even make him a cup of tea. So now you can't, you're not in a level to make me tea. King Ahasuerus, control 127 countries. He's a very, very strong person. And the one is one of his people, Minister Haman, the richest person in the world. Who is the richest people in the world today? Huh? Chinese. Very nice. I didn't know you were going to know it. Putin is right. Everyone say Bill Gates, Bill Gates. Bill Gates doesn't have a third of what Putin has. Putin has $200 billion, someone said a week ago. $200 billion. <laughs> What is he preparing it for? I don't know. Where is he going to take it with him? I also don't know. I know that his country is going down. I know there's so many millions of people don't have what to eat over there, but Putin has $200 billion. So the problem is that Mordechai, which was in a Sanhedrin, one of the Chachamim, is standing over there by the gate. Don't go in. So what do you mean, don't go in? We come to give kavod la malchut. What? Dina de malchut amad. The king make a party. And Mordechai screaming. And all the people with a nice beard, everyone goes in. Now you may come and say, wait a minute. How do you know the religious people went there? Maybe only the chilonim went there. Chilonim also eat glad kasher. You go in a restaurant. Half of the customers is people that are not shomer Shabbat. They eat kosher. So maybe the, the, the rabbis didn't go to Ahasuerosh. Only the Jews who didn't keep mitzvot. So, you know, out of respect, he make them glad kasher. They don't care, kasher, not kasher, they'll go over there also. Since they make a glad kasher, no, I'm a Jew, I'm embarrassed in front of this guy to eat not kasher. Okay, let me go to the Jewish section. Maybe for that, Hashem was very angry. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But if you read the Megillah very good, when a man comes to Ahasuerosh to start the Holocaust process of 2,400 years ago, the Amman, Amman made a speech, one-minute speech. He said to Ahasuerosh, there is a strange nation. Strange nation. They dress different. They speak different language than us. Their religion is different. Everything about them is different than us. I'll give you a lot of money. They're both very, very rich people. And Amman is even more, is more rich. I'm going to give you a lot. I'm going to take 10,000 pieces 
of silver, gold, whatever it was, and I give it to you, and you please sign for me on a note that we're going to start taking actions against them. From what a man say, you know that all the Jews in Iran 2,400 years ago were all religious. Why? If the Jews were not really, if you come to Obama today, uh, Mr. Obama, we have something to talk to you about. We want to get rid of the Jews in this country. We want to kick them out. Obama would say, why do you say such a thing? This is a free country. Everyone is welcome here, I mean. He said, they're all strange. They all dress different than us. They speak a different language than us. They all have different religion than us. They all behave very strange. So Obama would say, I really don't know what you're talking about. Half of my staff are Jews. They eat with me. They talk like me. They dress like me. They behave like me. We have the same opinions. So what are you talking about? So Obama wouldn't know what you want. Now, all the Jews he met in his life almost no, are not religious. Who does he meet? He meets the rabbis? He doesn't meet the rabbis. He meets all the Jews in business, people, you know, in politics. It's not religious. So Obama would say, what are you talking about? The Jews here, there's nothing to do, no difference between them and anybody else. But that's not what Ahasuerus answered Aman. Ahasuerus agreed. Of course, you're right. It's strange. They speak different language. Which means even the language of the place, Farsi, whatever it was, they don't talk. They have a different language. Like that you go to the Hasidim, they speak Yiddish. It doesn't matter where they live. Every place I go in the world, I go, I go to almost every country. The Hasidim always speak Yiddish. Doesn't matter Argentina, Belgium, France, Russia, Israel, America, here, everywhere you go, they speak Yiddish. What's going on here? And back in the days, the Jews speak Aramic. Speak Aramic. Let's see a little bit what's going on here, because why HaKadosh Baruch Hu got so angry? I don't understand. Ma. Today we do things that is a million times worse than what the Jews did. They went with glad kosher and gave respect to Achashverosh. Really, the truth is, the party of Achashverosh, he was like an art show. He puts all the things that they robbed from Bet HaMikdash, the destruction of the first Bet HaMikdash, Everything is by him, and he puts it as a gallery. Everybody comes and see, oh, that used to be Bethamiglash, and nobody cries. And Mordechai is standing outside and screaming. Now the Gemara say, why the name of the Megillah is Megillat Esther? Why? why? It comes from the word hidden. I'm going to hide my face from them, Hashem said. Then it's also come from the word stira. Stira means the contradiction. Stira. Milashon is star and stira. Hashem, up to a certain point, spoke to us directly. But from now, there's one point in the world that Hashem said no more face-to-face -face relationship. You're not in this level anymore. Now I'm going to speak to you without you facing me directly. From now on, it's only a sterpanim. I cover my miracles, everything in nature. No more Moshe Rabbeinu that comes and tells you what I'm thinking. Nothing. It's a different level from now on. That perik, by the way, in case you didn't know, that parasha in the Torah that said that Hashem say that one day there'll be tragedy, that the Goim would run after the Jews and kill them, Hashem wrote, and that day I'm going to close my eyes. Esther, Esther, Panay, Mehem. And Hashem said, the nation of Israel would say, where is God? There's no God. It's written in the Torah. And this over there is speaking about the Holocaust, Lo Aleinu. Shoah. And inside there are codes equal mathematical codes of the word HaShoah, the Holocaust. In this part in the Torah, nowhere else, right there. That Hashem is speaking about the tragedy that will happen. Inside the text, it's written HaShoah. Now, the Gemara say, Minayin le'ester min Torah. Now sit well, sit tight, I'm going to shock you now. The Gemara asks, 
where do you find Esther in the Torah? What kind of question is this? Esther is hundreds of years after the Torah, almost a thousand years later. Why are you asking the Gemara, where do you find that the Torah is speaking about Esther? How the Torah can speak about a woman that will be born almost a thousand years later? The Gemara says, Esther, Esther, Panai, Mehem. Esther, what is Esther? Esther. Aleph, Samech, Tafresh, Esther. Esther, here you have the word Esther in the Torah. No, beseder, big deal. There's many things in the Torah that you can find. Oh, here is my name, you know? So, one I used to learn with a guy in yeshiva. His name was Arik. He came to the yeshiva, he said, my name is in the Torah. Arik Harbi, Tori Shemu Yadi. My name is in the Torah. One person came to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. He said, my girl doesn't feel well. This is, what's her name? He said, Shira. He said, change her name. He said, why? What's wrong with his name? He said, it's not a name, Rav Chaim Kanievsky told him. So the, the father said, it's in the Torah. He said, also Shulchan is in the Torah. You call your daughter Shulchan? It's not a name. She writes a song. It's not a name. <laughs> Get the idea. So it says, the Gemara continue. The Gemara say, you find Esther inside. The Gemara asks, where do you have Minayin Mordechai in the Torah? Where do you have Mordechai in the Torah? Mordechai. The Gemara says, Mordor. Mordor. What's Mordachia? The Gemara says, Mordor. In the spices, Mordor. It looks a little bit childish. Where do you have this Esther in the Torah? Where do you have Mordechai in the Torah? Do you really think that Hashem spoke about Mordechai and Esther? Obviously not. Speaking about Chas Shalom Shoah, and he speaks about the Simanim, the Samemanim. What does it have to do with the Gemara? Is fooling us? You're going to see something amazing here now. You will see in the Megillah that the name of Akarosh Baruch Hu doesn't appear. No Yudke Vavke in the Megillah. Whenever it says Hamelech, is referring to Hashem. When it says Hamelech Achashverosh, it's Hamelech Achashverosh. If you take the word Mor Dror and you count 12,196 letters from the Mem, Mor Dror, why 12,196 letters? How many letters do you have in the Megillah? 12,196. You take from the Mem of Mor Dror, 12,196 letters you count in a Torah. What do you get? You get Resh. You count 12,196. You get Daled. 12,196. Mordechai in equal skip of 12,196. Now, it's very interesting. Why? Because the same thing the same thing you have with Esther, also 12,196 in Dilug, inside the Torah. One time, one I said it in a seminar, there was one girl, one woman, I think she was a doctor or something, she heard this, she said, it can't be, man. the Torah was a lot, a lot before the, the, the story of Purim. So she disappeared from the seminar. She got up, she went to her room, doesn't come anymore. Motzei Shabbat, she came. <laughs> she came, where, where have you been? She said, the whole Shabbat I was sitting in my room in a Tanakh counting letters. Because I say to myself, if the rabbi is right, how can I stay not religious? It shows you the Torah, it's from the creator of the world, from the, something like this. Even the Megillah, even it's inside the Torah hidden in such skills, Mordechai and Esther. So we find that uh, actually she was the shock of her life. Mordechai and Esther in equal skip of 12,196 letters. Now, if it would be a skip of 100, it'd still be a, a big shock. But it's 12,196, which is the number of the letters of the Megillah. No, something like this, statistically, can happen by itself? Never. No chance. But this is just a secret of one of the things in Purim. 
Then we said in Purim that a person has to drink. There's a question if a person is allowed to get drunk. Why? Because in Judaism, you're allowed to drink alcohol. Not like Muslim. Alcohol is against the law. They kill you for that. Like you see now ISIS. They catch someone with a bottle of whiskey in his home. They chop his head off right away. They kill him for having alcohol, even if they never saw him drinking. Just the fact that he had it in his home, you want your enemy killed, put a cognac or wine inside his home, he's dead. And you tell them, well, I just found I was by this house. But they can't, they kill him right away. Right? It's against the law. But by the Torah, it's not against the law, the opposite. All the mitzvot is on wine. Adam Arishon, Achal Me'etzadat. What Etzadat? Few opinions. The main opinion, it's Geffen. Geffen. And the Geffen, actually, the world started with the problems once Adam ate from the Geffen. The Torah and the mitzvot, Ela mitzvot asher otam Adam, vachai bahem. The Torah and the mitzvot, kem chayenu vorech yamenu. It fixed our life. It fixed the world. Right? It said, Tzadikim yeshenim ra lahem ra laolam. Reshaim yeshenim tov lahem tov laolam. When a rasha sleeps, the world has a better time now. Less averot. Which means it's affecting the whole world. Like the Ramchal writes, when a person makes scenes, everything around him is influenced. The table, the walls, everything. It's affecting the entire creation, the atom movements, everything around him. And it was already proven scientifically by the Japanese Amato professor that shook the water, if you remember. He took water in negative temperature of 274 degrees, and he put them in a room when people spoke words of love and caring, and then in a room that people cursed all day. In the room that people spoke positive words, all those drops, they took little drop of water, froze it, 274 degrees below zero. It's a very, very freezing temperature. And they check it with a microscope. Each one of the drop was like a very expensive, beautiful diamond. Symmetric, triangles, circles, Am amazing. Like the, the, the words of the people affected the shape of the water without touching the water, spiritually. This was a shocking discovery. And in a room that the people were cursing over there, not one of them came symmetric, nothing. All stained, no, nothing. An Israeli student in Barilan University heard this. He said, I want to do a test on my own. So he took one bean, you know, bean that we put in a chulent. He put on a cotton, and he put another bean on a cotton and he put some water, and he put a few of them in a room when people were reading Tehillim all week, and he put it in another room, and the Israelis over there, all day cursing. <laughs> sometimes, you don't need, sometimes you don't need a room. You can walk on the street in certain places. You don't have to pay for free. Take them to the soccer game. <laughs> the screen, put the beans over there. But anyway, what happened over here? In the room that the people retailed, it grew big, tall, straight, lots of leaves, amazing. And in the room that people cares, nothing grew to the side, falling, amazing. Shock. And he got uh, international recognition. It's my much scientific discovery. You see, the, like the Ramchal wrote about it 250 years ago already. Uh, that a person does good things affect the world. Bad things also affect the world. So it's very interesting because the Jewish nation, the Gemara says, is similar to the Geffen, similar to the grape tree. What's special about the grape tree? First of all, it's low. It's not a big tree. Down to earth. What's special about grapes? You cannot mix the seeds of the grapes with any other fruit. You can mix. You can mix other fruits, and it creates all the time new things. Anything you try to mix with grapes, nothing comes out. The Jews cannot mix with the rest of the nations. You can't mix them. You mix with someone, you're not a Jew anymore. Your children go in. Chaz v'shalom. So that's what's going on here. Also, wine. When you drink wine, the wine puts you to fall asleep or to fall down. That's the secret in Purim that they say, Chayav Inish, every person has to drink 
עד שהאנטירי כנעת תל את הדיפרנס בין ארור אמן וברוך מרדכי. חייב איניש לבסומי, בסומי מינס לייק טו בי אין גוד מוד. זה ביג קווישן, אם אתה יכול באמת להיות דרנק או לא, כי ביהודיזם אתה לא צריך להיות דרנק. אפילו היום אתה תמיד כמה אנשים שאתה מבין כל כך הרבה הם נהיו בהוספיטל. זה ביג חילול השם. זה בטח לא מה שחכמים אמרו. are the nation that the whole world step on their heads non-stop. We're always under them, always. Roma, Rome, Babel, Paras, Yavan, Ishmael, Plishtim, so many problems from the Goim all these thousands of years. What happened in the end? Rome disappeared. Babel disappeared. Paras disappeared. Plishtim disappeared. Every, Greeks disappeared. All these big empires disappeared, and the Jews are always on top. Same thing, the Geffen. How do you make wine? You step on the grapes, and then the grapes step on you, make you fall down. <laughs> In the beginning, you step on the grapes. That's how they make wine. They put rubber boots in the old days, and they go like this. All day, that's how they make wine. First, you step on me, but don't worry. Soon, I'm going to put you down. So that's the secret. One more thing about the Geffen. In order for you, for the geffen to grow, it needs to climb on something. So how do they make vineyards? They take sticks. If you ever saw a vineyard, they stick. All kinds of poles, they make it. And then the geffen climb on it. And it's something very interesting. Because if you put seeds of the geffen in the ground right here, if this is where the seeds are, right here, here. This is where I put the seeds. And here I have a stick. Now, the wine will always know to come to the, to the side where the stick is. It's like you have eyes. How does it know not to go to the other side? It always knows where to go that it can climb. Now, something very interesting. You wait two days, and it's going, and it's coming very close to the stick. You take the stick out. You move the stick to the other side. What happened? It makes a U-turn. They, go, they always know where to find it. It's very interesting. So what's the secret that it has to grow on something? The Jewish nation, they don't have a future if it's not relied on the past. If we didn't have Shulchan Aruch, Gramba, Gemara, Tanaim, Amoraim, Nevi'im, what would we have today? We wouldn't even be sitting here. We wouldn't be even Jews, Bichlal. We wouldn't know one word of the Torah without them. They are the ones who give us the secrets of the Torah. So our dead people, we are on their head, on their back, climbing on their shoulders to survive. They are our support. You take a dead tree, piece of wood, which is a piece from a dead tree, once you stick it in the ground, and the living geffen is climbing on the dead. Without the support of the dead, we don't have life. This is a lot of secrets in this. Not, uh, Israel uh, is similar to the wine. No. So it says, Nichnas Yain Yatsa Sod. Nichnas Yain Yatsa Sod. How much is Yain in Gimatria? Numeric value? 70. Sod also 70. 70. 70 goes in, 70 goes out. It's very interesting. Now, It says, the Midrash said like this, זה שמי לעולם וזה זכרי לדור ודור. This is my name, and this is my memory for generation after generation. The Midrash said, לא כמו שאני נכתב, כך אני נזכר. The same, the way you write my name and the way you pronounce my name is not the same. So you write י"ק ו"ק, but you don't say י"ק ו"ק. I love to read it like this. So it says, You use Aleph, Dalet, Nun, and Yud, but you actually write Yud, K, Vav, K, right? So this is the secret. It says like this, the Shmi Le'olam, this is my name, Veze Zichri, but the way you mention it is different. Now it says like this, Chachamim say Purim is a very special holiday, but it's only a rabbinical holiday. It's not from the Torah. The Torah, the Gemara, the Chachamim say, Purim is the highest level you can reach. 
יום הכיפורים, יום הכיפורים, כפורים. כאיניברו מינס לייק פורים, לייק פורים. It's almost in a level of פורים. פורים is better, you put a mask, drink wine and dance, and that's better than יום הכיפורים, when everyone cries and do תשובה. Why? Because you can reach level of happiness. A person reaches such level of happiness, he can get very, very close to הקדוש ברוך הוא. Because one of the rules in life, that a person that is depressed and sad, If he had Ruach HaKodesh, he lose it right away. If he was a Navi, Prophet, Mistaleket Mimeno HaNevoah. As soon as a person is either angry or sad, he lose his spiritual power. He can give brachot, he can see Ruach HaKodesh. You know, Ruach HaKodesh, it's a, it's a very tricky word. Why? It's not a prophecy. It's something that the Chacham all of a sudden has like intuition, special divine intuition, that he aimed to the right, to the right advice, or that he see on a person something that others cannot see. I've seen, I've seen it in my own eyes. I read about Ruach HaKodesh like you, thousands of times in a book, but you know how it is in life. No matter how many times you read about it in the Torah or in the Gemara, If it happens to you once in your life, it's already make more impact than hundreds of times you read it in a book. Right? Like they say, one picture equal like a thousand words. So like, like sometimes Hashem shows you such a miracle, and you say, ah, now I'm 100% sure. It's not only stories. The Chachamim didn't want me to be religious, so they told me all kinds of stories. Now in my own eyes, I saw it. So what, what, what is, what is, what's going on here? So it says like this, you know, when a person reaches a very high level of simcha, happiness, he gets to such connection and devotion with Hashem. So one time I went with one rabbi, he wanted his son to put tefillin by the mashgiach of Lakewood. The mashgiach of Lakewood, Zatzal, his name was Rav Nathan Vuchtfolgel. Yeshiva of four or five thousand people. And it was, uh, I think, about a hundred years old back then, maybe 98, something like that. Very, very old, very old. See, right away, that's not 70, 80. That's already close to a hundred. Hardly move, you know. So I say, that rabbi asked me to have a video camera to stand outside. Not to come actually to his room, because you know, this is Gdolim, they don't like that you come, you film them or take pictures. <laughs> so I wasn't dressed anything Haredi, no one would know who I am, nothing, doesn't know me. I never spoke a word in my life with him. I was outside with a video camera, standing far that he doesn't pay attention to me. So I'm here, he's there, Bechlad, Bechok, far. And I'm standing with another Ashkenazi rabbi over there from Lakewood, talking outside in Hebrew. And the father and the son and Rav Nathan inside the room, and he's, he's, I'm filming him. The old, the old rabbi is putting the tefillin on this boy for the first time in his life. And they take pictures. All of a sudden, I see that uh, Rav Nathan Vuchfogen, he looks at me, and he goes like this. So the Ashkenazi rabbi that was with me, he went quickly inside, and he spoke to him in Yiddish a few words. And then he came back. I got very nervous. I thought maybe he got upset that I'm filming him. I didn't know. So I said to him, oh, what happened? Is he angry that I'm filming? He said, no, no, he doesn't care about this. I said, so what did he say? He said, he saw on you. Believe me, if you see how I look back then, I'm talking to about 20 years ago, 19 years ago, something like that. I was a young man, dressed more secular than religious. And uh, he said to him, I see on this person that he's gonna be mashpia on many Jews to do tshuva. How can I see it on me? Yeah, if I come, long beard, do hat, you know, fine, I understand it. Maybe he's guessing. It was very, very far. So the only time in my life I saw in my other person with Ruach HaKodesh. Ramamash, like Ruach Hashem on him, that he was able to see from far, almost 100 years old. I look like this, and I'm filming like this with the camera. And he said to him what he said to him. And now this person over there, he also didn't know who I am. He didn't make it up. 
I'm just talking to him outside. So he was able to see. They say on Rav Benzion, Abba Shaul. But he had Ruach HaKodesh. How do you know? So, how do you know sometimes the rabbi really have Ruach HaKodesh or he fake it? How do you know? If it's a person that keeps Shabbat, mitzvot, is Yerei Shamayim, right? Then you don't suspect him that he's a murderer, right? If you see a rabbi, let's see, he's not Eliyahu Navi. Fine, no one is perfect. But to say that he's a murderer, that he actually take a person and kill him, you don't suspect him, right? You may suspect this, you may suspect that. But if somebody comes and says, I saw him take a gun and blow someone's head off. Ah, you're crazy. Come on, you don't even take him serious. Leave me alone with your nonsense, right? You don't suspect, right? So one time, there was a bus driver in Yerushalayim. He drives the bus. And then a little girl ran to the street in Yerushalayim, and the bus couldn't stop, Psh, hit her on the head, and killed her. And, and what is the worst now? That the mother of the girl sits right here next to the driver. And she saw it in her own eyes. Can you believe such tragedy? Everyone screaming in a bus, screaming, the driver almost fainted. So, you know, it wasn't really his fault, but he killed the nefesh. Beshogek. And back in the day, I had to go to Irmiklats, no joke. So, after a few minutes, when, you know, they give him water, what did I do? How? And then the, and they say, this is the mother, now Bechlal, you felt like. So the mother told him, Lakachta neshama, tachzir neshama, she said. You took a soul, return a soul to Hashem. Because he wasn't religious, the, the driver. So he said, what do you mean? How can I return a soul? He said, return your soul. Hashem lost a holy little girl. <coughs> return the soul to him, one for one at least. Of course, of course, I promise, I swear to you, please forgive me. She saw it wasn't his fault. What can he do? The girl ran to the street. So he went to Rav Benzion Abba Shaul to ask him what should he do. He started to become religious. So he, so he told him, you have to leave Israel. You have to go to the exile. And every week you move from one place to another. Make sure you don't stay in the same place more than a week. You, you live here a week, move to another place a week, move to another way. That's like, like we say, say do Kiruv. <laughs> Go from one city to another. And he said to him, that's, my, that's what I have to do? He said, yes, until one day, they will offer you a good shiduch. You see a girl, Yirat Shamayim, you get engaged, you move back to Eretz Israel, and your tikkun is finished. So now, there are two possibilities here. One year that he has Ruach HaKodesh, and he saw Mamash Beruach HaKodesh, what's his tikkun? Or the other option is not, okay, so he told him a story, big deal. But if he doesn't have Ruach HaKodesh, that's a pure murder. To take a Jew, tell him, leave Israel every week on your life, move to another place, you're murdering the person. Now, this is a person with very, very high level of Yirat Shamayim, doesn't waste a minute in the learning, never say Lashonara, watch his eyes. Learn Kabbalah, such a tzaddik. What is he going to be a murderer? To take an innocent poor driver that not only killed the girl, Be'al Korho, also to send him now 10 years. I don't know how many years he was like that. Every year, every week to move from one place to another. How is he going to do that? We won't do such thing. Even a fake Baba, fake Mekubal, all these fake ones who come for the money, he would think a million times before he destroyed a person's life like this. Go every week to another place. It's not realistic. This is an example of Ruach HaKodesh. Rav Chaim Kanievsky, before the war, when they said, everybody needs mass gas or no? So he said, what is it, Purim? <laughs> so Rabbi, seriously, you know, we have 100,000 people in Bnei Brak. There's huge lines here. Should we leave the yeshiva and stand on line and go and get mass? He said, no, Misa will fall in Bnei Brak. Continue to learn. You know what responsibility is this? What would happen if a chemical weapon would fall there? You'll never be able to make one chiloni that religious ever after that. Chief Rabbi said nothing would happen and thousands of people die because they relied on their old rabbi's opinion. How can he take such a risk? In Bnei Brak, no missiles would fall. One missile fell in Ramat Gan, a hundred meters from Bnei Brak, from the border, and knocked down the whole building the whole building, and Baruch Hashem, nobody died. This whole war that Saddam shot 39 missiles, you see this shul? 
each missile scud is bigger than this whole shul. It's not little rockets, or it's, it's much look like an airplane. This is how big it is, scud missiles. You get it on a truck, on a semi-trailer, it's longer than the truck. They make it stand because it's so long, you cannot really, it's that long, you have to make it stand a little bit because you cannot carry it otherwise. Something like this with no explosive, just falling, piece of metal, no bomb, just come with that such speed and fall anywhere in a city in the world and continue to run about a mile from the, from the speed. How many buildings and stores and thousands of people you should kill without explosive, without explosion, just like you take a little piece and throw it. It knocks everything on the way. Now one person died 39 times. One person in this whole world, the whole world died. Who? One person died from a heart attack. Who was this person? In Bnei Brak, you know they closed the streets on Shabbat, certain areas. He used to come with a scooter, put a stereo in the back with loud music, because he cannot come with a car, because they close the street. So with a scooter, you go on the sidewalk, you go around. He goes where the religious people are on Shabbat, play full volume and stand like this and argue with the people. So why you come here? So you're not going to tell me where to drive and not. This is my country. He said, well, we all keep Shabbat here. Go and do what you want to do over there in Tel Aviv. Why do you have to come here? And they warn him even. Nothing happened. Nothing helped. Comes on purpose to play loud music. That's the person that got a heart attack from Saddam Hussein's missiles. Nobody else got hurt. <laughs> the only person. But uh, everything that Hashem does, obviously, he sees the entire picture. Now, it says like this. Midrash Mishlei, in the Midrash of Mishlei, it says, Kol amoadim atidim leitbatel veyeme purim enam betelim leolam. I don't know, I never understood this Midrash. I'm not claiming I do, because I know that Rambam writes in Yemot Mashiach, Olam Kiminago Noeg. And I also know that in Yemot Mashiach, or forever, not one letter from the Torah will ever be changed. Nothing. I don't know what it means, the holidays aswim lit batel. I don't know what it means. What does it mean? It's not going to be Rosh Hashanah. It's not going to be Yom Kippur anymore. It's not going to be Pesach. No more Lela Seder. Well, I don't know what it means, atidim lit batel. But let's talk about yeme purim enam betelim leolam. But purim remains forever. What's special about purim? It's rabbinical holiday. Midrabanan. Yom Kippur will be cancelled. Pesach will be cancelled, but Yom Kippur will stay. It's a little bit disrespect to Hashem. You say, okay. You want to say Purim is like the rest of the holiday, I understand. But to say it's better than the other, other holidays that Hashem gave, it's a little bit chaz v'shalom chutzpah. So, the answer the Rambam say, why do we have Pesach? Why? to remember the Geulah that Hashem did for us. But the Geulah that Hashem did in Pesach, is it perfect Geulah or no? Or it's partial? It's not perfect. First of all, 80% of the Jews die in Egypt. Hamushim Yatsu Bnei Israel Mimitzrayim. What kind of a Geulah is this? I always say, if the people, came, the people that came out of Auschwitz, after they came to America, each one of them lost brother, sister, parents, children, wife, there's not one person who came here, ah, I got lucky. No, none of my friends and relatives died. There's no such thing. There's one out of a family survived. Two out of a family. From family of tens of people, one survived. If, they, if some family got wiped out completely. Now, if a person had nine brothers, Lo Alenu, and his parents, they died. And his wife and his children died, and he survived. And he came to America. You ask him, you know, you have, you have a mer an amazing miracle. Hashem help you so much. What would his answer would be? Leave me alone. Don't tell me this nonsense now. He won't be happy. So why? Look, you got safe. Now you can start your life. America, look, Miami, New York. Where is his mind? About what he lost. That's not a complete salvation. Right? If Chaz Shalom tomorrow Mashiach come, 
and you tzaddik, but your chas v'shalom siblings are not tzaddikim and they're not wolves, they will not survive. Can you be happy? Okay, I survive. But if my dearest people did not survive, so it says, goel pesha The Mashiach come for all the Jews that make tshuva, right? people who go against Hashem and fight against the Torah. For them, the Mashiach doesn't come, obviously. It's many psukim in the Tanakh about this. So the question is, if I'll get saved and other people I love will not, it's going to be a perfect salvation? So the, the, the point is like this. After all the gogumagog and the problems, we'll get to one point that that's it. No more yetzerara. Where sadness come from? If a person lost someone and he sits and cries, what is this? What is this? If a person lost money and he sits and cries, if a person wants something that he cannot get and he sits and cries, all this crying and pain, where does it come from? It's a part of the desire of a person. If a person doesn't have yet serara, when Mashiach comes, Akash Bahu will shochet the Satan, will slaughter the Satan. What does it mean, slaughter the Satan? Which means the Malach that is in charge of the Yetzirara lost his power. No more Satan. No more jealousy. No more laziness. No more anger. No more nothing. No more sadness. No more, nothing whatsoever. Person will go to the level of Adam Arishon before the sin, which is perfect. Nothing, nothing bothers you. No more, no Yetzirara that tells you, run away. You just saw yourself. The rabbi announced shiur begins, 70% of the people ran home, 30% stay in a shiur. It will never happen in the day of Mashiach. In the day of Mashiach, the rabbi wouldn't have to announce that. As soon as they see a speaker is coming, getting ready, everyone's sitting, waiting. Why? Because there's no yetzer and say, run away, Moshe, run away before he starts. Then you get stuck here for an hour. You know, you know the way the yetzer works. Right away, quick, quick. They don't know that there is a pasuk, scary pasuk in the Tanakh. Scary, very scary, <laughs> really scary, if you understand what it means. Guess what, which pasuk I'm about to say. It says, I'll start, you tell me the rest. Amesir ozno mishmo atorah. Someone who remove his ear. Someone who remove his ear from listening to words of my Torah. Gam tfilato toeva. For me, his prayer is like giving me a diaper full of what the baby did as a prize. That's called toeva. Toevat Hashem. Toeva is the worst word that Hashem describes something bad. There's two things. The worst curse in the Torah, it's arur. We saw it. Arur, arur, arur. Okay. And the worst description is toeva. Toevat Hashem kol gvalev. Toeva, that means or lack of modesty, or all kinds of big crimes. It's called to'eva. Hashem is despite it very much, despicable. So I'm asking, Hashem couldn't give a better sentence? Why did he have to be so strict? Be a little bit politically correct. Say, I'm very disappointed that people come and pray, and when the Torah lesson start, they run, run away. That's enough, we get the message. Well, I have to say, the tefillah, the prayer, it's like, Toeva, in my eyes, has v'shalom. Toeva, a Jew come to pray in shul. Shabbat, it's very common. Some shuls, they have four hours shachrit. Bar mitzvah, another uncle, another grandpa, another this, aliyot, mosifim. Your heart comes out already. The chulent is already dry. <laughs> rabbi, rush the kings here. Okay, the rabbi said, okay, we'll do musaf bli chazara. <laughs> today we had this. Today we had there was bar mitzvah today in the morning. <laughs> Just to put the tefillin on the boy took how long? 45 minutes? An hour almost. Pictures, video, all the uncles. Each one make one. And then they take it out because there's too many uncles. <laughs> More than seven. After he got verastich, I was about to finish. He said, no, no, there's a few more people. Okay, so we'll go back to the beginning. <laughs> After 45 minutes of picture, then the rabbi said, okay, time is running out. We will do Musaf without Hazara. Cancel all this stupid picture, make one or two pictures, finish, the tefillah comes first. <laughs> but, you know. 
the, the one of the problems about, about the religious people is that they not always know what's ikar and what's tafel. Like Chacham Ovadia Zatzal said, some people they're so busy me machmir, 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 until they become chmar, chamor. Merov she machmir niya chamor. In the end, he mekel bede oraita. Sometimes you see people like this. This not allowed. This was is not allowed. Who touched it? Oh, then all of a sudden, he stands by the coffee machine in a shul all day la jonara. Murdering people left and right. But he was worried maybe the Goya touched it with their hand. Oh, it's a go go, take it to the mikveh. What is this? It's not yain. <laughs> yain, yain, fine. They make up things. You know, I, on Pesach, I go to some place. You know how hard they work to clean the place? After they clean everything, they take tin foil, put all over the walls, around. I said, what a job. What is for? Who made up all these laws? Nothing. Make it up. So you see, I'm thinking to myself, look at this guy. He's working here for seven hours, covering everything with tin foil. He finished, he goes with his cigarette. No, who's master? Did you see this guy? Oh, murdering him now with Lajonara. <laughs> you cover the walls of the shul billion times, it won't be one word of Lajonara. Right? Or sometimes you go to places, you want to pray here, you must have a hat, you must have a cartel, you must speak in this language, in this accent. Everything fine, none of it is from the Torah. But nobody writes, but if you speak all day Lashonara, have mercy on us, please, because we need the kosher chazan. If you make sins with, I don't know, I want to tell you with who, please have mercy on us. We, not, we don't know who you are, but you and Hashem knows. So please, if you know that yesterday you were with Christine, please don't come to Bishliach Tzibur. You don't see it on the wall. What do you see? Shtuyot. Not shtuyot, I take it back. Not shtuyot. Every custom is chashuv, but come on. There is a bomb, an atomic bomb. There's a little knife here. The knife is more dangerous than the atomic bomb in your eyes. You have to be clever. What's Ikar? What's Tafel? By the way, Rav Eliashiv, Zatzal, one Ashkenazi Mekarev asked him a good question. I was very happy to find it in one of the books that he wrote. I think it was Rabbi Horowitz, if I remember correctly. He told him, Rabbi, we deal with Baalei Tshuva. What should we teach them? Should we teach them chumrot? Only the minimum of the minimum of ikaradin. Rav Eliashiv answer, with Baalei Tshuva, you don't mention any chumrot to them. Just what must be done, that's it. Nothing extra. If they do that, Baruch Hashem, Dayenu. It's hard as it is to move from their fake life, the way they live with the ta'avot, and, and come to the right side, and to keep this and keep that, and every day they discover there's more to do. I made one mistake like this in my life, and I eat my heart already maybe 12 years because of this. I, I went one time, I used to give lectures in, every Wednesday in a big shul in Queens, and one time I got a letter with, a, with one person, he said, Baruch Hashem, my wife and I became religious, and I want to bring a friend of mine, so can we meet an hour before the lecture, you know, whatever, make long story short, he brought another guy. 32 years old, very rich, he made $60 million in the last year, became very rich, got lucky, got some kind of a drink, brought it from France to New York, sold it to a company, $60 million. Became very rich, 30, 31 or 32 years old. So Baruch Hashem, that person came, he has very good heart, very good heart, but he doesn't know anything from religion. He grew up in America, family not religious, doesn't know nothing. I don't know if he even knew how Tfilin looks. That's how far he was. Started slowly, slowly to teach him, invite him for Shabbat. Baruch Hashem, after a short period of time, he became Shomer Shabbat. I got him Tfilin, okay. Then, I was constantly on top of him. Like when he came to my house, he came out of the bathroom. I said, you don't make a bracha asher yatsar. You don't do it, wash your hands, you don't do this. All these little things. It's all mitzvot. It's an obligation. It's the halacha. I didn't write Shulchan Aruch. But I was not experienced yet back in the days. Today, Baruch Hashem, after 20 years of work, I have a lot of experience. Experience is more important than what it say yes and not. Experience, you know what to say, when to say, how to say. You need a lot of experience. Also to read what kind of person to say, what kind of person not to say. It's very, very important. So I was on top of him. Wash your hands, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do like that. 
all of a sudden, one day, he left everything. So when I asked him, what happened? His answer was, I can't, I can't live this kind of life. Every two minutes I go to the bathroom, wash my hands again, make bracha again. What broke him was things that if he wouldn't do it, promise you wouldn't go to hell. If I would focus only on the Yisurei Karet that he agreed to stop, on the Chilulei Shabbat, on the Tefillin, on the real major things, and wait two, three years until slowly, slowly he, gets, he becomes stronger, because he doesn't learn to write, he doesn't know a lot. To put everything on him in one shot, he gave up in the end everything. Tafasta merube lo tafasta. You want to take grab too much, you get nothing. That's where the, the Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai, when the Roman, when the Roman came, after three years that they made a siege around Yerushalayim, ambush like this. So when he came to the Kesar, he said to him, okay, you gave me good news. I really became the king of Rome. Ask me something. So he said, I want you to cure Rabbi Tzadok. Get your doctors to cure his stomach, because he was fasting for years. So nobody knew how to cure him. And then I want you not to touch the family of Rabban Gamliel. And there is a yeshiva in Yavne. Don't touch these rabbis over there. So Rabbi Akiva, which is the greatest Jew in history, the greatest Jew in history, Rabbi Akiva. No joke here. Rabbi Akiva said, Rabbi Yochanan made a mistake. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. Why? He should have asked him not to destroy Bet HaMikdash. Now, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai was the president of Israel. What do you think? He was a fool? was the, the head of the Chachamim, the head of Israel, the, the president. Why didn't ask them not to, to touch Bet HaMikdash? Because he knew three years they sitting waiting to burn Bet HaMikdash. They brought soldiers from Italy, from Rome. They sitting here three years suffering from the moment that they should destroy Bet HaMikdash. Now because I did a little favor to, the, to this guy, I'm going to say, hey, buddy, don't touch the Bet HaMikdash. What is he going to say? You crazy? That's all the mission here. We, we, for only reason we're here is for this. Now, in the end, you get nothing. So at least let me get a few little things, supposedly little. But in the future, it will save our nation. One, why not to touch Rabban Gamliel? Because this is the family of David Amelech. Mashiach has to come from them. If he killed Rabban Gamliel and his family, the Mashiach never come. So he saved us from losing the Mashiach for good. Next thing. He said, don't touch the Chachamim in Yavne. There was Sanhedrin. All the Torah comes from there, all the laws. You kill all the Chachamim, no one, that's it, the Torah will be gone. So he secured the future of the Torah. And the third thing, he knew that thanks to Rabbi Tzadok, they couldn't touch us for so many years because of this Tzadik. His chut was protecting everyone. So he said, don't touch him, because he knew as long as Rabbi Tzadok is alive, a lot of other tragedies are not happening. So he was clever. In the end, he got something. You want too much, in the end, you get nothing. Before we finish, it says like this. When Mashiach would come, there will be tikkun la'olam. The olam will be corrected. Letaken olam b'malchut shaddai. Everything will be fixed. There's no more need to remember the exodus of Egypt. Now we must remember it. Yitziat Mitzrayim, all the mitzvot, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim, Al Tiekfui Tova, don't be ungrateful, don't forget the only reason that I took you out of Mitzrayim to be your God. Ani Hashem Elokechem, Asher Ratzeti Etchem Eretz Mitzrayim, for what? Liot Lachem Lelokim. Otherwise I would never take you out. I only took you with condition that I'll be your God and you'll be my children. Otherwise, you'll stay there. So because you came out of Mitzrayim to become my student, my children, and etc., how can you be ungrateful? You're not keeping your part of the agreement. But once Mashiach come, and that's it. Nobody killed Jews anymore. No more wicked people. No people that mechalel Shabbat anymore. No Yetzer Ara. No bed going in a wall, no ISIS, no war, no Hamas, no Hezbollah, no Iran, no nothing. What, you, what is it going to be? Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. Who? What? Oh, uh, three million Jews came out of Mitzrayim, left 12 behind, and they suffered since then for 3,000 years. 
And we have to remember it. You don't have to remember it. That's it. Finally, you don't have to remember it anymore. So it says like this. There's no more memory of Pesach, Sukkot, and Shavuot. All of them regalim, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim. You don't need it anymore. But why Purim is different? Also, you don't have to remember Aman. No, you can ask the same question. Okay, I don't have to remember Paro, but I don't have to remember Aman anymore. So what's the difference? Because the problems that they made in Purim, it's different. What's the problem in making in Purim? <laughs> it says like this. Be'etziat Mitzrayim, Hashem saved us after many of us died. But the damage was done. Just before the damage was 100%, Hashem came and saved the 20%. Hashem came and saved the 50%. But the damage was done. The only time that the miracle was perfect was Purim. Nobody died. Not one person died. Tomorrow they kill everyone. Everything turned around. Not one blood of Jew dropped on the floor. All the antisemites, 75,500 of them got killed. Perfect salvation. And the Mashiach, once all the Tchiat HaMetim, all the Tzadikim, the world will have only Tzadikim, Jews and non-Jews. It will be perfect, that's it. No more wars, no more dying, no more nothing. So the only holiday that can come to this level is Purim, because the miracle of Purim is similar to the miracle of Mashiach. I want to wish each one of you, Bezrat Hashem, that Purim will be very happy. Don't forget, one of the most important things of Purim is to give a lot of tzedakah. All year we have to give tzedakah. But it says on Purim, everyone who opens his hand, you give. Why? Matanot la'evionim, make the poor also happy. Not to forget these important days. Kshenichnas Adar, we are in the beginning of Adar. Marbim besimcha. You multiply your simcha, your happiness, which means all year you have to be happy. Not only in Adar. All year. But in Adar, double the happiness. Be even more happy. But it doesn't mean to be happy to jump on the street like Meshuga, like this, because you took a pill. That's not happiness. <laughs> Excuse me. I one time went to a place. And it says, uh, the guy that invited me for Shabbaton was a very rich Jew, very rich. He has six construction companies, but not construction of homes. Making highways, making bridges, very big <laughs> tycoon. <laughs> so I come to, not far from here, he has a big mansion, minimum $10 million. And I see American Ashkenazi, very nice person did not stop to smile for one second the whole Shabbat. So by the time I was about to go back to New York, much to a few hours before Shabbat was ending, there was another rabbi over there, another Ashkenazi rabbi in that Shabbaton, one of the guests. So I told him, you know, for the first time after so many years, I finally found a millionaire that is really happy. Usually all the rich people I met in my career they all come to me after the lecture, Rabbi, I had a horrible year. What happened? You know, the stock went from 300 million to 250 million. Business, so much problem. <laughs> I said, well, let me show you the last 50 emails I got yesterday and today. Our people are hoping if they're going to have what to eat tomorrow morning for their children. And this worry. They still have 200. But all of a sudden, I saw this guy, Mamash, like in the moon. So I said to this Rav, Baruch Hashem, rich, Baal Tshuva, and happy. I know, I don't really see that many. Say to me, ah, you fool. He's taking Prozac. <laughs> I said, that, that's why I'm always happy. And I was wondering when I say to him, wow, Baruch Hashem, I never met a happy person like you. He was ignoring my comments. <laughs> he didn't say, oh, why not to be happy? You know, I, uh, <laughs> we want to be real happy, not say a drink lechaim and be happy. Be happy because it's the uh, uh, maor sheba, or the light of the Torah makes you happy. 
go to Yerushalayim, to the people who sit, I have a call in Yerushalayim. They get $500 a month salary, the rent is $1,200 and up. They start the month with negative already. They, for the rent, they don't have the money. Forget about food and other things. And miracles happen. Hashem helps. But you should see how they're happy with the, with the Torah. Simple life. I took a rich guy with his wife that lives in a $4 million mansion next door to Eddie Murphy. That's where he lives with all the movie stuff. His wife has five maids. Five maids. She constantly complains the house is not good enough for her. So I say, he said to me, I don't know what to do with her. I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll get the cure for her. Next time you go to Israel, you tell me. I'll send you to the yeshiva, and I'll tell, and then when you be there, I tell the, one of the rabbis there to take you upstairs. He live across the street. I want your wife to see how his 10 children sit in two by two in a kitchen and play. And when the wife stand like this, the kids right here, and try to cook for Shabbat, and the noise, and how the house looks, pieces of wood, leaks, you know building from 150 years ago in Yerushalayim. I want her to see it for 10 minutes. So when she got there, <laughs> she never ever dared to complain about her palace anymore. You know, like I say, one picture, I give her 5,000 shiurei musar, tomorrow morning she wants something better. When she saw how the happy people live, then she asked the girl there, who is your rabbi? She said, what do you mean, who's my rabbi? My husband is my rabbi. I said, what do you mean, your husband is your rabbi? You need to have a rabbi. She said, I don't need to. My husband learned all his life Torah. <laughs> Any question I ever had, I ask him. They don't understand this in their concept. How can it be your husband be your rabbi? But when they saw over there what's going on, they open up their eyes. They say, wow, we have and we never had that happiness. And look at these people have nothing. And with the Torah, they can, they can be so happy should see the happiness, the harmony in the family. She, got a, she became a lot more religious after that trip, this woman. Started to organize women's lectures, bringing rabbits in. Really, it was a great impact on her. Because you don't know what you have until you lose it. When you have it, you don't appreciate it. Bezrat Hashem, thank you very much, Rabbi, for allowing us to speak here. Happy Purim. And call to.